Thank you for listening to this teaching from Kingdom Discipleship. Jesus Christ declared that He is God Almighty, the Great I Am. Oftentimes, the words of Jesus can be confusing or hard to understand. If we will apply ourselves, however, and ask Him to help us, we will come to see the incredible power and beauty and truth in every word of our Bible. Let's open our Bible now to John chapter 8 and study these amazing words from Jesus Christ our Lord. Well, good morning and welcome to another teaching. It's, uh, it's a good day. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hopefully y'all had a, uh, just a, just a blessed and thankful Thanksgiving. Um, I mean, Thanksgiving is, is a, is, is obviously a holiday that we celebrate in, you know, in America and, and all of us know, obviously deep down, if we think about it, it should be a time where we, we remember the tremendous blessings in our lives that the Lord has bestowed on us. And, and it ought to be a day set aside for, for just being thankful and to giving thanks. Now it's obviously it's turned into a, a time where we celebrate and just, uh, just have community and, uh, and with time with family and friends. And, and that's a good thing, but, but more important than that. And while we're doing that, it ought to, uh, just be a time of being being thankful to Jesus, just being thankful for our Lord and Savior, being thankful to our Heavenly Father for all of his incredible blessings in our lives, being thankful to the Holy Spirit for leading us and guiding us and comforting us and living in us. So hopefully y'all had a, a wonderful and thankful Thanksgiving. And um and if you weren't as thankful as you ought to be, which, you know, pretty much applies to all of us, then let's let's continue to be thankful today. We ought to practice Thanksgiving every day of our lives, right? So thank you, Lord Jesus. Okay, well, today we are, uh, Lord willing, going to finish up John chapter 8. And uh, it's just, it's been incredible. Um I don't know how many teachings it is. Uh, I think it's probably around 45 teachings so far. And we have taught through every verse in the first eight chapters of the Gospel of John. And uh, it's just been wonderful. Uh, as I've prepared and studied, I have learned uh, an immense amount just uh, in studying and preparing to teach the scriptures. And, and there's really nothing more beneficial to us than just uh, reading meditating and studying the word of God with a heart to obey the word of God. So thank you, Lord Jesus. So John 8, um, we're going to begin and uh, we'll actually start in verse 42 and we'll finish it up to, to 49. Father, we do thank you for your word. We thank you for the Holy Scriptures we thank you for our Bible, Father, and just the incredible love and care that's been put into to us having this word of God, these scriptures. Father, we thank you for giving us your word, and we thank you for the uh, just the incredible care and the, and the countless hours put in by men and women over the, 
over the centuries, um, over the millennium for you to, to, so that we might have your word in its present form. Father, but above all, we thank you for Jesus, our only Lord and Savior and Master and King. Lord Jesus, we thank you for loving us. We thank you for becoming a human man for us and dying perfect death for us. We thank you that you are alive and risen and we worship you today. Holy Spirit, we ask you to lead us and guide us now as we open your word. Give us eyes that see and ears that hear. We thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. John 8, starting in verse 42. Jesus said to them, If God were your father, you would love me. For I came from God and now am here. I have not come on my own, but he sent me. Why is my language not clear to you? Because you are unable to hear what I say. You belong to your father, the devil, and want to carry out your father's desire. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Yet because I tell you the truth, you do not believe me. Can any of you prove me guilty of sin? If I am telling the truth, why don't you believe me? He who belongs to God hears what God says. The reason you do not hear is that you do not belong to God. The Jews answered him, Aren't we right in saying that you are a Samaritan and demon-possessed? I am not possessed by a demon, said Jesus, but I honor my father and you dishonor me. I am not seeking glory for myself, but there is one who seeks it, and he is the judge. I tell you the truth, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. At this the Jews exclaimed, Now we know that you are demon-possessed. Abraham died and so did the prophets. Yet you say that if anyone keeps your word, he will never taste death. Are you greater than our father Abraham? He died and so did the prophets. Who do you think you are? Jesus replied, If I glorify myself, my glory means nothing. My father, whom you claim is your God, is the one who glorifies me. Though you do not know him, I know him. If I said I did not, I would be a liar like you. But I do know him and keep his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced at the thought of seeing my day. He saw it and was glad. You are not yet 50 years old, the Jews said to him, and you have seen Abraham? I tell you the truth, Jesus answered, before Abraham was born, I am. At this they picked up stones to stone him, but Jesus hid himself slipping away from the temple grounds. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Just profound words from Jesus, extremely forceful and strong words. Jesus does everything he can to give these people the truth, these, these, uh, these Jewish leaders the truth, and they're obstinate to it. They don't want to believe it. And we have the same problem in, in the church today and in the world today, that 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 people can be taught with clarity the truth and reality about Jesus, but they refuse to believe it because they don't want to believe it. 
They want to believe whatever they want to believe. We have to, however, as C.S. Lewis said, deal with Jesus Christ and deal with his words. And when we slowly read and meditate and really consider his words, we find that, uh, that that it is absolutely overwhelming, convicting truth that we cannot escape. And the only reasonable conclusion is that Jesus Christ is God, God the Son, full-blown, almighty, eternal God. And, uh, and as such, obviously, we ought to believe what he says and consequently live out what he says, obey what he says. So last time we did verses uh, 42 and 43 and 44. I'm just going to do a quick review. In 42, Jesus said to them, "If you know, they were claiming that the heavenly father was their God. And Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you would love me. For I came from God and now am here. I have not come on my own, but he sent me. If God were your father, you would love me. Again, from Jesus's own mouth, You cannot claim to believe in God. You cannot claim to believe, to have a desire to know the Heavenly Father without loving Jesus. So this this statement by Jesus is saying that every single human being needs to love Jesus if they want to have anything to do with God the Father. If God were your father, and he's saying this today, whether you're any denomination of Christian, whether you're Baptist, whether you're Methodist, whether you're Catholic, or whether you're, you know, Mormon, whether you're Jehovah's Witness, or whether you're Hindu, whether you're uh, Muslim, whether you're Buddhist, whether you're atheist, whether you're agnostic, whatever you are, to if you don't love Jesus. You have nothing to do with Father God. It's only in Jesus Christ, in receiving him and knowing him as your personal Lord and Savior, trusting and relying on Jesus Christ alone for the forgiveness of your sins and the salvation of your soul, that you can have relationship and know God the Father. If God were your Father, you would love me. So do you love Jesus today? Can you look into your heart and candidly, frankly, honestly see a love for Jesus Christ in your heart? Do you have some kind of desire for Jesus, some kind of genuine appreciation for Jesus? Is your life marked by by really being heavily influenced by Jesus Christ? My daughter, Kristen, has an incredible testimony that she was raised as a believer in Jesus Christ and she had prayed to receive Jesus, who knows, a dozen times um, with me. And, you know, after she graduated college, she just felt like her her life was hollow, really didn't know what the meaning of purpose of or purpose of life was, just had no no desire for life whatsoever. And uh and I had asked her this question about her heart for Jesus, and she confessed that, uh, no, Dad, I don't, I don't really, you know, I believe in Jesus and all that, but no, I don't have this, 
I don't have any big heart for Jesus. I don't, Jesus isn't really influencing my life or thinking. And, and I explained to her, well, honey, you may not be saved. You, you really may not be saved from your sin. And uh, you may not be a child of God. God the Father may not be your father. And when she heard that, she was convicted. And she very much desired Jesus Christ to be the Lord of her life and God the Father to be her heavenly Father and for the Holy Spirit to be her guide and comforter and counselor. It's not that she considered all these things, but she she really wanted Jesus. She had gone along with the whole Christian thing her whole life, but here she really wanted to know Jesus Christ. And, uh, and her and I prayed together and she asked Jesus to come into her heart and be the Lord of her life, but it wasn't like the other times. She prayed and genuinely wanted Jesus to be the Lord of her life. She genuinely wanted Jesus for the forgiveness of her sins and the salvation of her soul and Jesus to, to, to bring her to heaven when she died. But she wanted him for even more than that. She wanted Jesus right now uh, to be the tangible Lord of her life. And she got saved. You could almost see the the spiritual life come into her. And now she does have a heart to Jesus. Jesus Christ is a profound influence on her life. Again, I want to make this clear. Does Jesus Christ have a material influence on your life? Or do you just do whatever you want to do, however you feel like doing it, wherever you feel like doing it, and just say, I believe in Jesus? Because that's not what it means to be a Christian. That's not what it means when it says, when Jesus said, if God were your father, you would love me. No one is perfect. That's why we need Jesus. But if, you're, if you believe you're a Christian today, Jesus Christ ought, there ought to be an influence that he has on your life. Now, we're all in different places with regard to this. And remember this, none of this saves us. You don't get saved by this. You get saved from your sin and you go to heaven by acknowledging and humbling yourself before Jesus, confessing to Jesus you know you're hopeless and helpless, and calling on him, trusting in him, relying on him, clinging to him as your only Lord and Savior for the forgiveness of your sins and the salvation of your soul. Romans 10, 13 says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. It's not the words that save us, but it's out of that genuine heart and that humility and desperation of knowing your need of Jesus and running to Christ, running to Jesus and throwing yourself at his feet and, 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 and asking him to come into your heart and be the Lord of your life and save you from your sin, knowing you have no hope otherwise. That's how you become a Christian. A Christian is someone who is trusting Jesus Christ, relying on Jesus Christ, clinging to Jesus for the forgiveness of their sins and the salvation of their soul. And now as a lifestyle, we ought to have a lifestyle of continually loving Jesus, right? And inasmuch, we know that God is the Father is our heavenly Father because we do have a desire to know Jesus and talk about Jesus, right? Now, again, I'm not saying that you're going to wake up and do this all day, every day, but there ought to be some of that there. God, we are your Father, you would love me. Verse 43, why is my language not clear to you? 
because you're unable to hear what I say. They, it's an incredible question Jesus asked them. Why is my language not clear to you? Many people will say, you know, I really don't understand the Bible. Well, people don't want to understand it. We, there, are, there, are, there are countless resources available today in, 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 in so many different forms. Obviously, you can listen to teachings all over the world online like this one. Um, there's all kinds of helps. But if you will genuinely spend time in the scriptures, truly wanting to know the truth, then the Lord will reveal himself to you. He really will. If, if you desire to know him, he will, he will reveal himself to you. But you, you have to apply yourself. It's not a religious thing, but it's like anything else. You know, um, you know uh, God said, if you seek me, you will find me when you seek me with your whole heart. And so we, we want to, you just want to, to be diligent in seeking him. And the primary place we do that is in the scriptures as well as praying to him and asking him to help you to, to know him and to understand him. But the primary place is in the word of God. Uh, the scriptures are the word of God. We have the language of Jesus here. And Jesus is asking them, why is my language not clear to you? He is speaking to them very clearly. But again, they don't, they don't want to understand it. They have their own agenda. And we have that all over the world today, even in the church today. Why is my language not clear to you? Because you're unable to hear what I say. You belong to your father, the devil. Now, again, this is, this is overwhelmingly forceful language from Jesus. And what he's saying is that their spiritual father is the devil. If God the Father is not your father in Jesus Christ, then the devil is your spiritual father. And I know again that that's that's heavy, but that is what that is what the scriptures teach. Again, in the uh, in First John chapter five, it says the whole world is under the control of the devil, of the evil one. Um, at the end of the book, and so he says, "You belong to your father, the devil." Um, until we come to know Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we're spiritually dead. Our spirit is dead to God. It has no life in it. And in spiritual death, the, the, you know, we're in a similar position to the devil and the fallen angels. You know, we, we don't know God the Father as our heavenly Father. And our life is dictated by the devil and our sinful nature. You belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desire. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding, for the, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. They've tried to kill Jesus, and at the end of this chapter, in the last verse, they're going to try to kill Jesus, emulating the devil. When it says he was a murderer from the beginning, um... Very, very possibly it's, re it's referring to, you know, the devil inspiring Cain to kill his brother Abel. But certainly it, it's, uh, it applies to when the devil in uh, Genesis chapter 3 led to, uh, and then in chapter 4 of Genesis, uh, Cain kills his brother Abel. He murders him. 
But in chapter three, uh, the devil leads Eve into sin. And then she immediately leads her husband, Adam, into sin. And they immediately take on spiritual death. So he, he, he led them or murdered them spiritually, so to speak. He was a murderer from the beginning. Again, in the garden, um, you know, when Adam and Eve were in the garden, you remember it said that the devil went to Eve and tempted her to eat of the fruit that she wasn't supposed to eat. She disobeyed what God had told her to do. When she ate the fruit, she immediately died spiritually. So he led her to this. He manipulated her to this. He murdered her spiritually, so to speak. And then she immediately leads her husband into sin and he dies spiritually. And as you go on to read it in Genesis chapter three, you'll see what, you know, you'll see the punishment God inflicts on all of them. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth for there is no truth in him. The character of the devil and the demons are that, that they consistently and only lie. They manipulate every single aspect of, of life to their own ends. Um, this is actually a, a phrase where Jesus mentions the devil and he mentions the character of the devil specifically. You know, for those that say that they don't believe in the devil, again, you have to, Jesus is speaking of the devil here and he's speaking specifically to the character of this being. He was a murderer from the beginning not holding to the truth. There is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. He invented lies. He lied to Eve. He manipulated Eve. And he and all the demons do the same thing. That's what they do. They lie. They could put thoughts in your mind that are just, that, that are just consistent lies trying to, trying to lead us astray. Verse 45, yet because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. It's amazing. Jesus said, you know, you believe your father, the devil, who's influencing you to not believe. The demonic forces in the world today, including the devil, their, their biggest desire is to keep people from Jesus Christ, to keep people from knowing Jesus Christ. And then, of course, to keep people from living a life of glorifying God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, in and through Jesus Christ, God the Son, uh, to keep us from living a life in Christ. Jesus said when he speaks his native language, he lies. He's the father of lies, yet because I tell you the truth, you do not believe. Jesus is speaking to them telling them absolute, unequivocal truth. Jesus is God. He cannot lie. It's impossible for him to lie. Yet because I tell you the truth, you do not believe. And this is a, uh, an incredible just, it's a sad, ridiculous, what would we call it, a paradox in the world today? That, that, that we believe the lies of the devil but we don't believe the truth of Jesus. Let it never be. 
Give yourself to Jesus Christ today. Give yourself to spending time in the word of Jesus Christ. If you don't believe Jesus Christ, then you're listening to lies of the devil. And that's just what, that's just what the Bible is teaching. That's just what Jesus is saying. Forty-six. Can any of you prove me guilty of sin? My big brother Jason Ross wrote a book, "The Sinless Man." Very well done book. Can any of you prove me guilty of sin? Verse forty-six. This claim, this invitation to examine him, and this claim of sin sinlessness is 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 overwhelming. Can any of you prove me guilty of sin? If I'm telling the truth, why don't you believe me? Jesus Christ was absolutely sinless, perfect. He never sinned in thought, word, or deed. As human beings, um, before we come to Jesus Christ, all we ever do is live a life of sin, regrettably, in thought, word, and deed. Um, again, all at different levels. It's only when we give our lives to Jesus Christ and in Jesus Christ can we live a life not dominated by sin and the devil. Because only in Jesus Christ is God the Father, our Heavenly Father. It's only in Jesus Christ that the Spirit of Jesus, the Holy Spirit, comes and lives in us, regenerates us, and gives us everlasting, eternal, spiritual life to where now all of this really begins to make sense. And now we can live a life of increasing holiness where we don't just live a life in total bondage to sin. Again, this claim of sinlessness by Jesus is, uh, is profound. Just the invitation. He opens himself up and says, can anyone ever tell me anything I've ever done wrong? And the answer is no. And it also speaks to his divinity, that he is, in fact, God, perfect. 47, he who belongs to God hears what God says. The reason you do not hear is that you do not belong to God. Again, if the plain teaching of the Bible does not make sense to you, that means you do not belong to God. And regrettably, the default is that you belong to the devil. And again, I, I know that's, that's harsh, but that is what Jesus is teaching. And he's teaching it so that you will give your life to Jesus this day. It's, it's not meant to be harsh. It's meant to lead you to lead all human beings out of this incredible darkness, this bondage. He who belongs to God hears what God says. If what I'm saying doesn't really make sense to you, then there's a good chance you're not a Christian. What I'm saying is if all of this just doesn't make sense, I'm, I'm teaching the scriptures verse by verse by verse by verse by verse. So, Pretty much everybody should be able to say, yeah, you, you understand what I'm doing here. I'm just breaking apart each verse and we're discussing it. 
There should be a conviction in, in you when you hear this kind of teaching. The Holy Spirit convicts us. If that's absent, then you want to go back to the foot of the cross and receive Jesus Christ as your only Lord and Savior in the way we spoke about earlier. You know, whatever, 15 minutes ago. Because when, when we're in relationship with God the Father, relationship with God the Son, and relationship with God the Spirit, God the Holy Spirit, three separate beings, the Trinity, right? God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, they're all God. Then we then we when we belong to Him and we, we have relationship with the triune God in and through Jesus Christ, right? Um we, we hear and we understand and things make sense. doesn't mean we, all the complexities make sense overnight. We spend our lives growing to know the word of God. But the whole thing starts to have a conviction for you, right? It starts to have a desire for you. It starts to make sense because he who belongs to God hears what God says. So are you hearing what the triune God is saying today? And he goes on to say the reason you do not hear the reason they can't understand Jesus is they don't belong to God. If you belong to Jesus today, then you will hear what God says, and this will make sense to you. Verse 48. And, and the Jews now, again, they don't, they don't have anything. They've been, he has defeated all their objections. And this is kind of what we do because we're very petty and childish and prideful. You know, and we can be this way as Christians. We can be this way as Christian leaders. You know, we can be this way as, uh, you know, as as ministers, as pastors, as deacons, as elders. Um, you know, um, you know, we, we can get to where we're, we're, we, our pride, you know, just doesn't allow us to, you know, we just refuse to to repent. And instead, these people step it up and they just resort to, to name calling. They resort to just, uh, you know, just this pettiness. The Jews answered him, aren't we right in saying that you are Samaritan and demon-possessed? The Samaritans were, were amongst the most despised people of all the Jews. Jesus is obviously fully Jewish. They know that. They said earlier they know he's from Galilee. They've even heard the, the prophecies that, that he was born of a virgin. They've, they've called him illegitimate. They've said that basically his mother was impure. We know that the scripture says she was not. That the spirit of God made Mary pregnant. And so we just we we just def we we can just go to this place where instead of just repenting and saying I'm sorry, please forgive me. We we just hold on to what is just 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 foolishness and just silliness. We do this in our relationships with one another. We do it in our families. Um, we do it in in church. Um, Father, we do ask you to forgive us. I ask you to forgive us, Father, where we have in the church carried this attitude where we're just, 
whether it's from superiority or pride or, or whatever it is, Father, I just ask you to cleanse us and wash us and to forgive us. They call him a Samaritan who was utterly despised. Samaritans were despised by the Jews and demon-possessed. It's ridiculous. Now, one thing he said, every way he handles himself, and everything he does, he's glorifying God the Father. Everything he says is biblically accurate. He has a lifestyle of speaking the truth and obeying the word of God in every manner, in, any, in every way. He is the least possible person that could ever be demon-possessed in the history of the world. And yet they say to him the most insulting, degrading things. Because they don't, instead of believing him, they, they want to degrade him. And there's no rationalness for that. And like I said, this is something we do. We find rationale when we do it. This person did this. They did this. They said this. We didn't like this. And we make, we make absurd claims. And uh, verse 49, I am not possessed by a demon, said Jesus. So he clears that up very, very quickly because, you know, there are foolish people who will say things like, well, the people of Jesus' day said he was demon possessed. So to clear that up, which they did here, obviously, to clear that up, Jesus just, you know, makes it very clear. Verse 49 I am not possessed by a demon, okay? Jesus commanded the demons. Jesus created the angels that became demons. I am not possessed by a demon. I am not possessed by a demon, said Jesus, but, but I honor my father and you dishonor me. You know, it's, uh, they're dishonoring to Jesus. You know, Jesus... You know, and, you know, and this, and this, this just, this will give us all a little pause. Uh, you know, myself very much so. But when we're when we're dishonoring to others, Jesus said, "What you did for the least of these brothers of mine, you did unto me." Matthew twenty five, right? So we we ought to be careful. Okay, obviously, you know, we need to speak the truth. Um, you know, we need to we need to have accountability. But I am not possessed by a demon, said Jesus, but I honor my father and you dishonor me. So, Father, I do ask you to forgive us and cleanse us. Forgive me just for the times where we've dishonored you, where we've dishonored Jesus. We've been dishonoring to the Holy Spirit. Father, help us to glorify you, to magnify you, to glorify Jesus in all that we do, Father, in Jesus' name. Verse 50, I am not seeking glory for myself, but there is one who seeks it, and he is the judge. The Father expects us to glorify Jesus. We need to have a lifestyle of glorifying Jesus. And, and there is a judgment for this. Do you have a lifestyle of glorifying Jesus? Again, we're not saying we need to be perfect. All of us have made mistakes, many of them. But on a day-to-day -day basis, are you trying to live your life to glorify Jesus more and more? Because the judgment is coming. As believers, we all stand before the judgment seat of Christ and give an account. 51. I tell you the truth. If anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. Wow. 
Another statement of the divinity of Jesus here. I tell you the truth. Jesus is saying, you can bank on this. If anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. Just look what he said there. I mean, that's a pretty heavy statement. If anyone keeps my word, he just said, when he speaks, he speaks the word of God. That's what he just said. He said that his word, keeping his word, he didn't even say my father's word. Now, of course, the Bible is the living word of God, the word of God, the father, God, the son, and God, the Holy Spirit. To keep the word of Jesus Christ, it says you'll never see death. And what he means by that is eternal death. He's not talking about natural death here. He's talking about eternal death or everlasting death, spiritual death. To keep the word of Jesus is to, is to, is to number one, obey the command to believe in Jesus Christ. To believe in Jesus Christ is not a request. I don't know if anyone's ever thought about that, but it's not a request. The Bible commands us to believe in Jesus Christ. It's a command to believe in Jesus Christ and to do what he says. And so when you follow that command and put your full trust and reliance and confidence in Jesus Christ alone, humbling yourself before him, acknowledging your sinfulness, your hopelessness, your helplessness and your desperation, and then you ask him to be the Lord of your life and you cling to him and you are clinging to him as your, as your only hope, you know, just clinging to him, trusting in him, relying on him for the forgiveness of your sins and the salvation of your soul. You'll never see death. You'll come into spiritual life. And then you spend your life moving toward that day, continuing to keep and obey the word of Jesus. It's a profound statement. Are you keeping the words of Jesus today? First, to, to, uh, to receive him as your savior, and then to live your life for him. Remember, we don't get saved by anything we've done. We get saved by trusting in Jesus Christ alone and relying on him and clinging to him for the forgiveness of our sins and the salvation of our soul. Verse 52, the Jews think they got him now. They think they... They think they got him. At this, the Jews exclaimed, now we know that you are demon-possessed. Now they're like, now we know it. We, we've heard what we need to hear. You know, again, they didn't understand what he said. Naturally, they think he's talking about natural death. If anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. Jesus is speaking, not speaking about natural death. He's speaking about spiritual death. They think they got him. Okay, we don't need to hear any more. They're saying... Uh, you've spoken it yourself. You're speaking nonsense. They say in 52, at this, the Jews exclaim, now we know that you are demon possessed. Abraham died and so did the prophets. Yet you say that if anyone keeps your word, he will never taste death. 53, are you greater than our father, Abraham? He died and so did the prophets. Who do you think you are? Yeah, 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 yeah. We, we don't really know who we're dealing with. 
So they don't understand what he's saying, obviously. They think that, you know, they 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 misinterpret what he's saying as natural death, when he's speaking about spiritual death. Um, Jesus said that you would never see death. They change it to, you know, taste death. Um, um, and that's not what he said. He didn't say you wouldn't die naturally. Jesus said you would never die spiritually or eternally. Um, and it's funny, they throw the Bible up at them, right? They think they got them as they throw the scriptures up. And people often do this as well. Um, less mature Christians and non-believers will consistently want to hold up a passage in the Bible that they've misinterpreted or misunderstood. Um, and again, all of us, none of us are perfect in this, but it'll just be blatantly out of context or they just, they're not using it correctly. And you can see that's what these people are doing here. Okay. They're, they, they're, they know in their Bible that, that, that Abraham died, the father of the, the Jewish faith, right? And the father, the first, the one that believed, you know, he's the father of us all, so to speak, Jews and Gentiles. Um, they know that Abraham died. They know that the prophets died. Um, and so they think they got him, right? Because the scriptures say that Abraham died, right? Um, verse 53, are you greater than our father Abraham? <laughs> yeah, he is greater than your father Abraham. He created your father Abraham. He was the one that provided the sacrifice for your father Abraham so Abraham's son, Isaac, your father, Isaac, wasn't slaughtered. And, you know, you'll see that in Genesis, what is it, 22? Um, where Abraham tells Isaac that, that God will provide the sacrifice. And we'll get into that here in a second. Verse 53, are you greater than our father, Abraham? Yeah, he is greater. Right. But to them, Abraham is everything because they're not grasping what he's saying. And he's about to he's about to launch the final bomb on him right here. He died and so did the prophets. Who do you think you are? He's the Messiah. He's the savior. He's God. But again, they don't want to believe that. So if he's not the Messiah, then yes, the things he's saying are ridiculous. But he is the Messiah. He is the savior. He is fully God, fully man. Jesus replied, if I glorify myself, my glory means nothing. He wasn't here to glorify himself. He came to glorify God the Father. My Father, whom you claim is your God, is the one who glorifies me. So it's a beautiful thing. You see this incredible work of the Trinity where... The Father is glorifying Jesus. Jesus is glorifying the Father. The Holy Spirit glorifies them both. It's incredible. Make sense? If I glorify myself, my glory means nothing. My Father, whom you claim is your God, is the one who glorifies me. The Father glorifying Jesus. Jesus glorifying the Father. Verse 55, though you do not know him, I know him. If I said I did not, I would be a liar like you. But I do know him and keep his word. Jesus perfectly kept the word of God showing that he knows and came from God the Father, right? He says, I do know him and keep his word. 
They were not. They were disobeying the word of God. They were rejecting the word of God. Jesus Christ was keeping the word of God, the Father, perfectly. Verse 56, your father Abraham rejoiced at the thought of seeing my day. He saw it and was glad. I'll try to try to try to know what this is saying here, Scott. Your father Abraham rejoiced at the thought of seeing my day. You know, Abraham had lived, you know, what, a thousand, twelve hundred years earlier, fifteen hundred years earlier. Um And so when Jesus says, your father Abraham rejoiced at the thought of seeing my day. And then he says, he saw it and was glad. They're like, what are you talking about? 57. You are not yet 50 years old, the Jews said to him. And you have seen Abraham? So again, what are you talking about? How could you have seen Abraham? He's clearly speaking of his divinity here, right? Now, what is he saying when he says, your father Abraham rejoiced at the thought of seeing my day? He saw it and was glad. Um, you know, when Abraham was taking Isaac up, and I said like uh, Genesis 22, 24, when he was taking Isaac to be sacrificed, and Isaac said to him, father, you know, where is the sacrifice? And Abraham says, you know, God himself will provide the sacrifice. Some think that's the time when, you know, that Jesus is speaking about here, that Abraham understood the provision of the coming Messiah, of the coming Savior, which Jesus obviously is. Um, and so the Jews obviously thinking only in the natural, right, Ed, say, you are not yet 50 years old, the Jews said to him, and you have seen Abraham, because they're not they're not understanding, again, his divinity. Jesus is speaking of eternity. Um, they, they don't understand any of this. Obviously, as, as eternal God, Jesus has, has always been there. Verse 58, and here it is. Here is the bomb of the chapter. I tell you the truth, Jesus answered. Before Abraham was born, I am. This is the most bold declaration of Jesus's divinity in all the Bible. Jesus here outright claims himself to be God. Write it down, John 8, 58. I tell you the truth, Jesus answered. Again, this is a statement saying this is certain. Before Abraham was born, I am. You remember, God revealed himself in the burning bush. The voice that came out of the burning bush, Exodus 3, I think 11 and 12 or something. The voice that came out of the bush. The voice of God was the voice that told Moses, say, I am sent you. I am who I am. So you see what Jesus is saying here? They're saying to him, how, how can you know Abraham? What are you even talking about? You're not yet 50 years old. Abraham was whatever, 1,500 years ago. What, what are you even saying? Jesus said, you can bank on this. You can be certain of this. I tell you the truth, Jesus answered, before Abraham was born, I am. This is an absolute, definitive, unambiguous declaration of Jesus claiming in himself to be God Almighty. And they understood it. 
They understood that he was saying it and they believed he had spoken utter blasphemy as it would be for any other human being in history to say it. Only God can say, I am. You're not 50 years old and you've seen Abraham before Abraham was born. I am. Verse 59, at this, they picked up stones to stone him. But Jesus hid himself slipping away from the temple grounds. They immediately went to kill him because they knew what he said. There can be no doubt. There are, there are denominations of Christianity that deny the divinity of Jesus Christ. It's absurd. By his own words, by the entire words of the scripture, we have a triune God. I understand it's hard to understand. The mystery of the Trinity is hard to grasp. But the scriptures teach a triune God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Jesus Christ is full blown almighty God. It was our God that loved us so much that created this world for us to live in, created humanity. We went bad and sinful. Then God himself, the God that created the world, God the Son, enters the world for us, loves us so much, lives a perfect life for us, dies a perfect death for us, is raised from the dead that we might be redeemed that's the story of the Bible. Jesus Christ is God. Well, Father, we do thank you for your word. We thank you for the living word of God. We thank you for the scriptures. Father, we thank you just for giving us this incredible book of John. And Father, we just thank you most of all for Jesus, our Lord, our Savior, our Master, our God, and our King. Jesus, we worship you, we thank you, and we praise you today. We love you. We thank you for living for us and for dying for us. And we thank you that you are alive and risen. Holy Spirit, we ask you to lead us and guide us now as we go forth, giving us eyes that see and ears that hear. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.